your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, there's plenty to talk about, so let's talk about some of the news around the league, including the Winnipeg Jets. We actually have a couple of former Jets that have been waived from their respective teams. Nick Patan and Chase DeLeo are both on waivers. I believe uh, Chase DeLeo is still with Anaheim, last I recall, and Patan was waived by the Maple Leafs. Now, Patan, of course, is the more interesting player because for a long time, many of us Jets fans felt that, well, maybe not that many of us, but at least a few of us felt that he was being misused and didn't really get the right development track that, frankly, he deserved. He was at one point a top six prospect, and of course, we all know how that ended. It didn't really pan out. And even when he was actually driving play and being a really good two-way center, it just seemed like he could never get on Maurice's good side. Unfortunately, going to Toronto really wasn't the breath of fresh air that he needed. You know, that Maple Leafs roster has a lot of forward talent, and for a guy who doesn't really put up big counting stats, I think it was always going to be a very uphill battle for him to make the roster. He really hasn't featured much in any team, uh, especially for the Maple Leafs, so I feel like if there's a squad out there looking for like a really reliable defensive penalty killing and occasionally uh, quality even strength play driver to put in your like third or fourth line, he's got genuine value on like a cheap contract. I think Patan can be very useful in a really nice depth role, and obviously, you know, at this stage of his career, you're not really expecting him to put up a 30 or 40 point season but maybe like 50 to 20 points with solid defensive results on like a league minimum contract or, or something a little bit more than that, I don't really think you could complain. I think that that sort of value is very underrated, and obviously a lot of teams don't do it very well. Uh, you know, you see the Jets with a lot of the guys that they've cycled in through their depth lines, and frankly, a lot of those players are not better than Nick Patan. So it'll be nice to see him if he gets a chance, uh, maybe with like a Minnesota Wild or even like a uh, an Ottawa Senators team or something. He'd be a boost for most teams, especially looking for like a really quality depth or middle six player. I'm not sure if anyone will claim him off waivers, but certainly if they do, he's worth a punt. I think he's a very decent player. He's certainly shown that at the AHL level, at least, he's a massive producer. And he might still be able to be a decent middle six play driver, even though his results with Toronto showed a little bit of a struggle. I, I hope that he gets it back on track wherever he goes next. But obviously, things for the uh, the Maple Leafs haven't been great. So who knows what the next stage of Patan's career will involve. As far as DeLeo is concerned, I don't think that he'll be getting too many more NHL reps. I think that at this stage, he's probably looking mostly at minor league duty and maybe some emergency call-ups during injury season, but, you know, beyond that, I don't really expect that he'll have an NHL impact anytime soon. Speaking of the next stage of a player's career, there was an article yesterday that came out talking about Patrick Laine, essentially, because it criticized him for saying, you know, he prefers to play with a particular center, and they made a comparison to Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers not really complaining vocally about it, and said that these guys don't complain about their center, which... 
I felt was a particularly unfair article. I mean, every player out there cares who their line mates are. It's a lie to say that they don't. Whether or not they enjoy it, whether they gel with these players and teammates or they don't, they all have an opinion on how their teammates play. And a lot of these guys will be critical of each other, I'm sure, because they all know that they need to push each other to be better. You know, Blake Wheeler constantly plays with Mark Shifley, even though he probably isn't capable of sustaining first line minutes as much as he used to be. You don't think that that has something to do with the fact that he probably pushes to play with Mark? Likewise, you know, a guy like Patrick Line wants to produce, wants to earn money, wants to be the best that he can be and prove that on an international stage he can be a truly dominant goal scorer. Of course it matters who he's playing with, and I'm sure Connor and Ehlers both actually do care about who they're playing with. It's a bit silly to even say something like that, even in a, you know, bit of a sarcastic tone. I just feel like this kind of smear campaign is not really becoming... Uh, especially of a player who I think is a, a very special player, a very special talent, and one that, once again, Winnipeg may be alienating. If these articles are starting to come out and the uh, the Patrick Line to Carolina Hurricanes rumors have any sort of substance or weight behind them, then there's a decent chance that Line probably has at least one foot out the door. I think that, you know, from his early training camp interviews and stuff, and certainly the off-season drama with his agents, I wouldn't be shocked if he's moved over the next week or two. My hope is that he stays for the full season and continues to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets long-term, but I wouldn't be shocked if things start to change over the next several days and we see more and more links coming because I imagine a lot of teams would be in on somebody like Liney. I know if I was a GM and I had the assets to make a deal, I'd be calling Winnipeg every day. Uh, the, the rumored trade package that apparently Carolina sort of balked at from Winnipeg's perspective was Martin Nietzsche and Brett Pesci for Liney, which... Is an interesting trade. I don't think that Nietzsche is really a, a center. I think he was drafted to be that, but for the most part, Carolina has deployed him as a wing, and I've heard some interesting things. Some folks are big fans of his game and really enjoy him. Other people are kind of like a little bit lackluster on his skill sets and production, so I don't know if that means he'd be a quality forward for the Jets. My take is that he should be like a top six uh, forward of some kind, whether a center or a winger. I feel like he's got creativity, really good vision and distribution, and a decent shot. Pesci, of course, would probably be the centerpiece of the deal. You know, Brett is a really good top four defender, somebody who cleanly and calmly handles puck transitions, can skate with the puck out of danger, makes really good defensive reads, has strong positioning, and even though he's not like a big points machine, what he does is really control your back end and essentially manage the tempo of your game. He's more akin to like a Dylan DeMello, although his offensive impact may be a little bit more muted in some ways. I think his defensive impact is certainly very pronounced. He's an incredibly well-rounded defender and somebody with a very high defensive IQ. Obviously, he'd become Winnipeg's de facto number one, although I don't know if he'd actually get that ice time immediately. It seems like, uh, you know, there are a couple of defensive pairings that Paul Maurice is prepping, and we'll talk about some of those in the next few minutes and, and figure out whether or not Winnipeg's blue line really is that much better than it was last season, because I'm looking at some of these training camp pairings, and I'm wondering if Maurice is really thinking through these things as carefully as he should be. Before we go too much further, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about Bet Online. Upcoming is the NFL Wildcard Weekend, and if you're a football fan or just really love sports in general, you know that this is probably one of the most exciting times because we have lots of really great underdog stories of NFL teams looking to rival each other and play their way in for a chance to win the Lombardi Trophy. Whether you believe in Lamar Jackson beating the Tennessee Titans or Baker Mayfield and his plucky Cleveland Browns squad to pull the rug out from underneath the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's only one safe, reliable, and trustworthy place you can place your online bets at. BetOnline.ag Signing up for an account at BetOnline is super easy. 
Just head on over to betonline.ag, and when you're creating your account, use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and missing out on all the action. Head on over to betonline.ag, and don't forget, when you create a free account, use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. They've got every sport you need, whether it's college football, NHL hockey, or NFL wildcard action. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are starting our previews coverage, which we've been doing for the past couple of days on this upcoming Winnipeg season. So if you haven't been caught up, be sure to check out earlier episodes at Locked on Winnipeg Jets. And before we get a little bit too much further into our preview coverage, I wanted to let you know about Locked on Bets. 2020 is mercifully over and it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, look no further than Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, now on to discuss some of Winnipeg's uh, recent line pairing combo dramas throughout the training camp sessions. And I think one of the most important ones to uh, at least first discuss is probably Winnipeg's back line and specifically the top pairing of Josh Morrissey and Tucker Pullman. Now, this pairing does appear to be something that's sticking together, which for me is a little bit alarming. Last year, uh, Pullman was a little bit in over his head. You know, he's best suited as like a third pairing blue liner. And I think this whole emphasis on putting him with Josh Morrissey when he's really not somebody who can cover for when Morrissey is struggling is a little bit alarming to me. I I think at one point, even Maurice was cognizant of the fact that that pairing really wasn't working out well. So I don't know why they're going back to it. We were also getting Forbort, Pionk, Bolu, Demello, and Sabisa Niku. So obviously Sabisa and Niku are considered the extra D, and I can't imagine that since Niku hasn't really played much for the Jets that he's going to be the man favored over Sabisa if things get a little bit hairy and they need an injury replacement. I imagine that Niku is at this point basically, you know, the eighth defender. You know, I, th- I think Maurice said he's like in his top eight, which... I don't know, that doesn't really mean anything if you're Niku. Sami's basically been the 8th defender for almost his entire career with the Jets, and I don't imagine that it's really going to change all that much uh, in the near future. Hopefully he surprises me and somehow gets into this lineup more regularly. I like his skill sets. Maybe if he actually got adjusted to the NHL and played more regular minutes, he would also start to get those underlying results to look a little bit stronger. I don't know, maybe it's too late for that. It is what it is. I will say that I do like Forbort Pionk as a pairing, probably more as like a third pairing. You know, I, I think Pionk is one of those players who I like him in very specific doses and situations. I'm not sure if like top four minutes for him is the most preferable option. Now, I will say that Forbort has shown that he can keep up with, you know, guys who are technically better than he is at, at creating offensive opportunities and stuff from the blue line. He played a lot with Dowdy, if I recall correctly, and he was actually better than Dowdy in a lot of areas, so he might have been a really stabilizing force for a, another defender who's maybe a bit more active, and I wouldn't mind that sort of more defensively-minded presence paired with somebody who's very offensively active and likes to drop deep into the offensive zone, especially around the face-off circles. The pairing that kind of bugs me a lot is Bolu DeMello because I feel like DeMello is a guy who should be on the first pairing with Morrissey. You know, if you're going to sign a guy for, what, what is it, like four years now, and he's got a huge contract in terms of length, you've got a guy you, you brought in to basically be a top four defender, and he's already on the third pairing after he proved he was more than capable of handling first pairing minutes last season. I guess I just don't really get why he'd be paired with Bolu on the third. You know, if, if Bolu is getting like some kind of a time on ice promotion this year, that's also not great. I guess he could handle it if DeMello was his partner, but 
I would honestly like to see DeMello paired with Morrissey. I think my like ideal defense here is Morrissey, DeMello. I think Forbort Pionk is actually a pretty good pairing. We can leave that. And then Bolu, Pullman, I, I mean, eh, it's not great. Pullman as like your third pairing right-handed guy, I think is totally fine. I think he's very good at that. He's shown that he can be trusted with those minutes. Bolu, it, it kind of depends. Some days he's actually pretty okay. Some days he really has a tough time of it. And it kind of depends on which version you get. I know that he had some really difficult personal stuff going on throughout last season. Maybe, you know, if, if things have calmed down and settled down for him this year, he can hopefully get a little bit more peace and, and hopefully not have as much trouble dealing with all of the on-ice stuff while he's also trying to manage his on-ice performance. I can't imagine what that sort of stress is like and just hoping for a better year for him. I know that that last season had some really traumatic stuff. I think his dog or something was killed and it was very sad and very tragic. So hopefully this year it's going to be a better year, better season for him. If he can stay healthy, that'd be great. I mean, there's a lot of different things that we're kind of looking for. But Beaulieu, I think just being a more stabilizing player would be a start, you know. If these pairings hold, I don't really expect much from this defense. I think we're kind of looking at a unit that, for me, is going to struggle to contain a lot of speedy, pacey offensive players. I think that this squad is already pretty thin as it is, and a single injury to this blue line would be a serious problem. Because then you're going to start to see guys like Sabisa filter in. Luca tries his hardest, man, but sometimes he just skates himself into a lot of trouble, and when he's on the puck and under pressure, he makes a lot of really bad puck-handling decisions. It also doesn't help that his puck distribution isn't exactly elite. You know, he's he's a 7th D for a reason, and I don't really know what they're expecting from him. It just, for me, is very frustrating because I feel like if you're going to keep a guy like that around, just in-house it, you know? Nelson Noget would probably do about the same job. But as always, Paul Maurice really likes his veteran players, and Sabisa, I guess, for some reason, seemed to impress him last year. I don't know how much veracity there is to that, but if he's come back, I would imagine that Paul was at least, you know, happy enough with his performance where he felt he'd be a worthy uh, addition to bring back to the team. I think you all know my thoughts on that, so I won't waste too much more breath on it other than to say I think this team really lacks defensive depth. That didn't really change with Forbort coming. And the uncertainty around Vili Heinola and whether or not he actually makes this team continues to be a big question for the Jets. He has to make this team for me. I feel like without him, this squad is going to have a much harder time actually making the postseason. Heinola also needs ice time to develop. There's no two ways around it. Find a way to get him into this NHL lineup so that he can get NHL ice time and start to acclimate to this league. Speaking of our, our wonderful lineups analysis, we'll talk about some of the practice forward lines and what the whole debate around Ehlers and Connor being flipped around actually means. Before them, though, I thought you should know about the wonderful folks at rockauto.com. Right now, we're entering the winter season. It's pretty cold outside, and one of the things that needs a lot of maintenance is your vehicle. But let's face it, finding a one-stop, easy, reliable, and affordable car parts store is very difficult, especially in these quarantine times. If you're not sure where to look, rockauto.com has your back. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to filter by make, year, model, and price range for the car parts you're looking for so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement for the one you dropped that greasy taco on, RockAuto.com is guaranteed to have what you need in stock and at prices that are 30 40 even 50% lower than what you'd pay at brick-and-mortar retail in-store. Auto shop prices. Whether you're a DIY, amateur, fixer-upper, or an experienced automotive mechanic, the prices will always be the same. When you place an order at rockauto.com, be sure to write locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Jets podcast. We're closing out tonight's episode thinking about some of the forward combos, the uh, the change of position between Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, and what it actually means, and whether or not this lineup is actually going to be okay enough to make the postseason, especially with the forwards that they have. For the most part, I think what we're seeing in training camp is pretty indicative of what we'll see as we head into the regular season. Matthew Perot has been injured during camp, but finally came back and started practicing with the main group, and apparently was paired with Thompson and Lewis on the fourth line. Cop Lowry, Appleton appears to be the third line, so there are quite a few interesting pairings here. I think Cop Lowry, Appleton would be a very good third line, although I might you know, be interested in more like a Perot, Cop, Appleton third line. I think uh, Lowry should anchor that fourth center role. And, uh, you know, Harkins is still out with some sort of undisclosed injury or something. They said he's unfit to practice. So whenever he comes back, I would imagine that he gets paired on one of these lines. And then Trevor Lewis, I would love to see staying here, you know, a little bit past his PTO on a, a formal deal as the fourth line winger. I've basically penciled out Jack Roslovic at this point. I don't think that he'll be coming back to the Jets. I don't think that he plays a game for them this season, and it looks like he's on his way out anyways. As far as the top six is concerned, what we see is Ehlers, Shifley, and Wheeler, and Connor, Stastny, Line 8, which is, it's okay. I think the first line is maybe a little bit imbalanced. What I would like to see with that first line is uh, maybe Ehlers, Shifley, Line 8. I don't really love Shifley and Line 8 together. I think that that combo is okay. It's decent. Um... I think Ehlers would have to do a lot of the play driving and zone transitions, puck carrying, and also defensive backtracking because Shifley doesn't really backtrack and Line is getting better at it and certainly commits quite a bit more to defending but still isn't great at it. Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler should be, you know, enough to tread water. I don't know that it's a great first line just because I think Wheeler in general needs to have his minutes slowly dialed down, but that's probably not going to happen this season. Connor Stastny line is one of those lines where I'm just kind of like, eh, not really in love with it. It's going to highly depend on whether or not Stastny and line can kind of pick up the defensive slack and also get up the ice. Both Patrick and Paul don't have a whole lot of foot speed, so I would imagine that Kyle Connor will have to do a lot of the up ice transition, which is not really something that he does consistently well in terms of being a really strong zone transition expert um, that leads to a lot of positive stuff. Like, he definitely carries the puck a lot, and he transitions zones a lot, but I think the issue with that is sometimes when he's in possession of the puck, he often makes these weird decisions once he reaches the offensive zone that kind of kills the play. I'd rather him be more somebody who sort of slips in between gaps, finds softer areas, and doesn't draw as much attention to himself because when he's away from opponents and, and gets away from defenders, he can actually carve up the goalie pretty quickly and sort of blitz the net. To me, changing Ehlers and Connor around really doesn't change all that much in the situation room. I think Ehlers is obviously a more defensively responsible first-line winger and should help that first-line transition zones a lot more than it currently does. But as far as like the overall net impact on the team is concerned, I don't know. I mean, Connor Stastny line A is okay. It's not a great line in my opinion. I know that they're going to try and re-spark what they had during the playoff run a couple of years ago, but I just don't really know that that's going to be that strong of a play-driving line. It will score quite a few goals, I imagine, but beyond that, not really sure. I'd honestly rather have Connor on, like, the third line with Cop. I think Connor, Cop, and, like, Harkins or something would be a phenomenal third line. And I know that's going to sound super controversial because Kyle Connor's being paid like a top six player. And I think the kicker is, is that you could have that line playing like second line minutes because you can trust Cop to be a defensive forechecking presence who also happens to be really good at creating space. Connor will do his thing and score goals. And Harkins is a very industrious forechecking winger who'd support both those guys 
especially in defensive situations and times when he needs to help transition the puck. I think that, that would be a great third line, and the fourth line could basically be whatever at that point. Perot, Lowry, and whoever else wants to sit on the wing, probably Appleton, and you'd probably have a good time. You'd have to figure out who to put on the second line, but I think that that bottom six with, you know, Connor being one of the top goal-scoring elements of that unit would be phenomenal. You could also do a bit of defensive sheltering, which I think is something that's going to have to happen because that top six as it is doesn't really have many players who can assist with puck protection and defending. You know, that that was an issue throughout the past couple of seasons. Stastny is definitely not getting younger, so I don't anticipate that he'll have, like, a tremendous impact in that area. And with the defense as bare as it is, I would I would err on the side of caution here and try to find a little bit more defensive balance throughout the lineup, especially with how deep Maurice likes to have this team sit. They're going to need to get out of their own zone to even create even strength offense, and I'm just not sure how this unit is going to do it. I, I kind of look at the forwards, and I, I don't really love the arrangement. I think that I see a lot of issues going forward, and I'm not really sure that it's going to be enough to deter the team from making the postseason. But once they get out of the Canadian division and start facing like the better teams, I really feel like Winnipeg's top six is going to get exposed. This roster is on the precipice of being much better, but it's still not quite there yet for me. And, and it would need a couple of trades or something or uh, a couple of arrivals of prospects to really start to get me hyped again. That and a tactical change from the coaching staff that I don't think we're likely to see this season. So I don't know. I don't really know what's going to happen with this whole forward unit. I feel like it's going to be decent enough, but maybe not outstanding. That they get to play against weaker Canadian teams is probably a blessing, I guess. I don't know. It's going to be weird once they actually face a really tough team. But in a year in which we've had lots of weird stuff already, when it's only like seven days in, I guess that's pretty fitting, isn't it? That's going to wrap it up for tonight's preview coverage, though. If you have any thoughts that you want to let me know, be sure to hit me at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the upcoming season and tell me what your favorite lineup would be. Maybe I'll analyze your roster on the next episode. Before you log off, be sure to listen to Locked On NHL. This week on the Locked On NHL podcast, get ready for the start of the regular season with Sarah Avampato and the Locked On NHL season preview series. Previews of all 31 NHL teams, division by division, and who to pick up and drop in your fantasy leagues, courtesy of Locked On fantasy hockey host Scott Cullen, can be found on every episode. Like, follow, and subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!